Here's the thing uh, with the Apostle Paul. He did not set out to become a preacher or an evangelist or an apostle. In fact, he was doing everything that he could do to destroy the church, not build it up. Nevertheless, while he was traveling to Damascus, Jesus blinded Paul with the brightness of his glory and called him from one of the church's greatest opponents to becoming one of the church's greatest champions. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Well, today we are back in our study in 1 Corinthians, and it brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 15 through 27. Because of Easter... We've been out of this passage for a few weeks, so I'm going to remind us of the first 14 verses that we've already looked at in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You can find those teachings. Uh, The video is on Facebook, but also the audio and along with my transcript of my message. It's not a, a perfect transcript because I pretty much type out my message and then I teach it. And so you get my notes. And you can find that on our website at cclv.org. But we have already looked at verses 1 through 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul dealing with the question regarding his apostleship. And I titled that message, An Imposter or an Apostle? And we looked at in verses 1 through 3, the seal of Paul's apostleship. And we learned that all believers should be able to defend their faith. If you remember from 1 Corinthians 9, we learned that Paul was able to defend his faith in three simple verses of Scripture. We next learn in verses 4 through 7, the defense of apostolic privileges. Apostle, I'm not even going to try it. I'm going to fail if I keep trying. Sometimes I look at words and they just don't click in my mind and it's not clicking right now. But it's important for a pastor to be called by God, a missionary, a worship leader. I believe this to my heart. And God's designated provision, he began talking about the support that the other apostles had received in verses 8 through 14 that they had received from the churches. And I went on to say that when Christians stop supporting their local churches, it diminishes their testimony and weakens their faith in their Redeemer, Jesus Christ. 
It must have been heartbreaking for Paul to have written this chapter to the Corinthians, considering that he had founded their church, but now had to defend his authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Still, to defend his authority, his apostleship before unbelievers, that's one thing. But to defend himself before those who had come to faith under his ministry was no doubt heartbreaking. However, within this chapter, we discover Paul's method of doing ministry by becoming, as he says in 1 Corinthians 9.22, becoming all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And so today we are looking at a message entitled, A Servant to All, 1 Corinthians 9.15 through 27. Our first point is entrusted with the stewardship, verses 15 through 18. Second, verses 19 through 23, a servant to all. And finally, verses 24 through 29, run for the crown. I'm going to go ahead and read our first point, entrusted with the stewardship, verses 15 through 18, and open us in prayer. But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things that it should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity was laid upon me. Yes, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have my reward, but if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. So Father, we pray just a blessing on the teaching of your word today, Lord. Help us to understand that which Paul wrote to the church there in the first century. I pray, Lord, that you would give it 21st century meaning, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would open our eyes to see that which you would have for us. This day, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, he said, entrusted with the stewardship, verses 15 through 18. He began in verses 15 and 16, this thought of woe to me. He said, I have new, used none of these things, nor have I written these things that it should be done for me. Well, this causes us to back up to verses 4 through 14, where Paul defended his and Barnabas's right to give support for the work of the ministry. He reminded them that apostles received this type of support. He also gave them examples of a soldier, a viticulturist, a shepherd, showing that each one was supported by their occupation. Moreover, Paul gave scriptural support from the Mosaic law to show God's care for oxen, for priests, and preachers. What a combination that is, right? And the priests and the preachers thrown right in with the oxen. And finally, he concluded that even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel, 1 Corinthians 9.14. Even with these examples, 
of the importance of pastoral support, Paul was not supported in this way. He had not received this type of support from the Church of Corinth in times past, nor was he currently looking for them to support his ministry. In fact, he said, I would rather die than to receive support from anyone that you would make my boasting void. I would rather die. Paul was pretty strong on this point. He talked about making his boasting void. This speaks about that which one can glory in, a matter or a ground of glorying. And we learn in Acts 20 verses 33 through 35, we learn a bit about how Paul did ministry. He said, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. And so there we learn that Paul not only supported himself in the ministry, but he helped to support others as well. I have shown you that in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul said, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Here's the thing uh, with the Apostle Paul. He did not set out to become a preacher or an evangelist or an apostle. In fact, he was doing everything that he could do to destroy the church, not build it up. Nevertheless, while he was traveling to Damascus, Jesus blinded Paul with the brightness of his glory and called him from one of the church's greatest opponents to becoming one of the church's greatest champions. Paul said in Galatians 1 verses 11 and 12, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came to me through revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel that I preach, it wasn't according to man. He didn't learn it from man. It came to him by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He goes on to speak about his teaching without charge in verses 17 and 18. In verse 17, he says, If I do this willingly, I have reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with the stewardship. If I do this willingly, it could be read this way as well. For if I do this of my own will, then he says, I have my reward. It means that I've been paid for the services rendered. But then he goes on to say, but if I do it against my will, remember, Paul did not set out to become an apostle, a preacher, or an evangelist. But these were offices that he had been called to. And with his calling, Jesus had entrusted him with the stewardship. 1 Corinthians 4 verses 1 and 2, Paul is already spoken about the importance of a steward. He said, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one is found faithful. Paul said, I wasn't in it for the money, but the Lord has entrusted me with the stewardship and I want to be found faithful 
in that which the Lord has entrusted me with. I think I understand this personally as a teacher of the Word of God, because I too feel called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I did not set out to become a preacher when I was growing up. No way did I believe that I would be sitting in front of a, a video like this or teaching live on the radio like I am currently or before a congregation of people. In fact, I am by nature fairly quiet. I envision my life as one being married. I always thought I would be and I was at 18 years old to my beautiful wife Lily. But also I envisioned being a carpenter, which I never became. Became a bricklayer, but never a carpenter. But there was a point after my dad passed away just a few months later that I felt a call into the ministry. And I felt entrusted with this call so much, in so much, that when I preached the Word of God, one of the biggest fears that I have is that I might get something wrong. Not that I might say something wrong about myself. I could care less if I say something wrong about myself. I want to make sure that I represent my family well. But truly, I want to make sure I get the Word of God right. I've been entrusted with the stewardship that when I teach the Word of God, that I don't add to it or take away from it. And so Paul said in verse 18, what is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. To abuse, it's a Greek word, it's a compound Greek word. Uh, kata is to be down, and so basically it means to use downward or to overuse, we might say. Paul's reward or payment was to preach the gospel of Christ without charge. He did not want to overuse or abuse his authority in the gospel. Jesus said in Revelation twenty-two twelve, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give each one or every one according to his work everyone according to his work. So Paul said that, what is my reward? Well, the Lord Jesus, as we close out the Bible in Revelation chapter 22, he said, I'm coming and my reward is with me to give to everyone. In fact, Paul asked the question, what is my reward? Perhaps we should be asking the question, what is my reward? Because Jesus said, I'm going to give to everyone according to his work. So we all should desire not to abuse or overuse our authority, but to rightly divide the Word of God and to live for Christ as He has called us to. Perhaps one of the most famous codes of conduct that came out of the 20th century came back in 1948 at a hotel room in Modesto, California, where Billy Graham and his associates George Beverly Shea, Grady Wilson, Cliff Burrows, birthed the Modesto Manifesto. Many times I have heard this in sermons like I'm doing right now. It's been summarized in my memory. This is the summarization of the Modesto Manifesto. Don't touch the money, don't touch the women, and don't touch the glory. But I was personally wondering 
if I had that right. So I went to Wheaton College and there they summarize, since Billy Graham was the president of Wheaton College for many years, they summarize the Modesto Manifesto in this way. From early in his ministry, Graham and his associates were sensitive to public perception of traveling preachers. The figure of a fictional con man, Elmer Gantry, still loomed large in frequent criticisms of evangelists and revival meetings. As early as 1948, Graham, Burroughs, Shea, and Grady Wilson devised a philosophy of ministry later called the Modesto Manifesto, which outlined their personal privilege to evade the moral ambiguity the, and scandals that embroiled previous evangelists. Specifically, the manifesto committed to avoid any appearance of financial abuse, shun even the appearance of sexual impropriety. Graham made it his point not to meet with or travel alone with any woman other than his wife to cooperate with the local churches willing to participate in the United Evangelism efforts and to be honest and reliable to, their, to the reporting of the results. Sadly, many of the unbelieving Jews of Paul's day, they had practiced the touching of money, the women, the glory, and even those who were in the church. Perhaps they should have formed their own manifesto the Bible tells us in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord. So having been entrusted with the stewardship, may we be found faithful. We have all been entrusted with the stewardship from the Lord. The Lord has called each of us into specific ministries and we all need to be, like Paul, found faithful. We next read in verses 19 through 23, a servant to all. I'll read the context for us. Picking up in verse 19, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law that I might win those who are under the law, to those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker of it with you. Paul made himself a servant to all. He was made a servant, he said in verse 19. And I have made myself a servant to all. Paul was a Jewish freeborn Roman citizen, according to Acts 22, 28. They didn't quite word it that way, but he was Jewish and a freeborn Roman citizen. Paul enjoyed privileges that most of the world did not know at that time. Whatever privileges that he might have had, being both Jewish and Roman, was not what Paul referred to when he wrote that I am free of, from all men, 
The freedom which he referred to here concerned his unique calling and willingness to support his own ministry with his own hands. In other words, he had no earthly bosses dictating uh, which method of ministry he should follow. Paul was his own man, or better yet, Paul was God's man. Can we say that about our lives, whether male or female, that we are God's man, that we are God's woman? Though Paul was free regarding his birth, his citizenship, his faith, his and stewardship, he made himself a slave. Duloo, so a double O at the end of this word, it comes from the Greek word doulos, duloo. It means to enslave or to bring into or under bondage to make a servant. And Paul became a Deloo to all. He became a servant, a slave to all, that he might win the more. In Galatians 5.13, he says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Christ has given us all freedom, freedom of salvation that can only come through faith in Jesus Christ. But we are not to use that liberty, that freedom, as an opportunity over others, but we are, through love, to serve one another. Spurgeon wrote, let's see the book that this came from. I forgot the title for a minute. Surgeon wrote in his book, The Soul Winner, he said to those he was actually teaching at this point, teaching a school of men becoming pastors. He said, just be men among men. Keep yourselves clear of all their faults and vices, but mingling with them in perfect love and sympathy, feeling that you would do anything in your power to bring them to Christ so that you might even say as the Apostle Paul, though I be free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Just be men among men, just be women among women. We are to associate with others, believers and unbelievers, but we're to steer clear of the faults, the vices that could pull us down and away from Christ. We are to mingle, as Spurgeon said, in perfect love and sympathy. The purpose is to bring them to Christ. To be an effective witness for Jesus Christ, it's helpful, though, to know your audience. Jesus said in Mark 1.17, he said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. You know, anyone can get lucky and catch a fish. To become good, it takes practice and skill. You have to learn the nature of the fish that you're fishing for, you to have the right bait or the right hook or the right time of day or a number of things can play into it. You have to become crafty. You have to be cunning in your methods, just as Paul said he was in evangelism in 2 Corinthians 12, 16. But be that it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. Paul said, I didn't burden you, but being crafty, I caught you by cunning. It doesn't mean that he was trying to be deceiving, 
He just learned his audience. He learned how to evangelize those who needed the gospel. And he knew how to preach to those who needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, it's my prayer right now that if there is someone, Lord, who is without faith, or someone, Lord, who is struggling in faith, that they would understand that all they need to do is right now at this hour cry out to you, a living God who saves, our living God. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would, through the power of your Holy Spirit, touch their lives in a special way. Lord, for those who perhaps have strayed away from the faith, bring them home this very hour. Let them recommit themselves to you, that they might, from this day forward, walk in fellowship with you. For those, Lord, who do not know you as Savior, let this day be the day of their salvation. By crying out to you in life-saving faith, by crying out to you simply saying, Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. And I accept you, Lord, as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.